Thank you for selecting this presentation brought to you by the Kingdom Rock Family Worship Center's Media Ministry. Sit back and relax and prepare to hear God's Word. And now here's today's speaker. 1 Corinthians. Hold your finger there. We're going to really start in the book of Ephesians. Ephesians, the fourth chapter. Go to the book of Ephesians, the fourth chapter. Praise the Lord. I thank God for this wonderful church, for wonderful people of God. Y'all got it going on. You got it going on. Help me tell tell your neighbor and tell him you got it going on. Praise the Lord. I thank God for you. I thank God for you. What a blessed people. Well, in Ephesians, the fourth chapter, Ephesians, the fourth chapter, I pray that you ready to hear, ready to hear. Before we go into Ephesians, let's pray. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name uh, for this opportunity to bring forth your word. We ask, Father, that by your spirit uh, that you would impart this word today. Lead us in what we need to know. Show us what we need to see. We believe in you. And I ask, Father, that you would teach us by your Holy Spirit today. Teach us all things. Show us things to come. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We pray also that the revelation of God falls like warm oil over everyone. I want you to hear the word of God. We love you today. In Ephesians, the fourth chapter, it says here in verse number one, it says, I, I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. This would be, I believe, part three of the series entitled Peace Stealers. This will be part three. And we're going to subtitle today's message, It's Hard to Stop a Train. It's hard to stop a train. What do we mean by that? A train is something, most of us have probably seen a train. Uh, I'm talking about the one that goes on the tracks, you know. I know some of us are getting very spiritual, but come down to earth with me for a minute, okay? It's hard to stop a train. A train has one track. We would call it like a, maybe a one-track mind. A train understands it has one assignment to get from point A to point B. A train has invested all of the cargo, it has all the cargo in it and everything in it, and it makes and it weighs that train down. So when the train finally gets up the speed, it's hard to stop it. People can stand in its way if they want to. It often ends up in tragedy. Cars can get in its way. doesn't matter. When that train gets up the full steam, when you hear that sound, you better get off the tracks because it's coming. Isn't that right? And we as members in the body of Christ, we can have peace when we understand that our lives and ministries should be as focused as a train. Not as a car on a multi-lane highway. You see, cars are on multi-lane highway. Now I'm talking more spiritually here. 
cars on a multi-lane highway uh, with several exits, I mean, there, there are a lot of decisions to be made. And sometimes we are multifaceted. We have many talents. We can do a lot of things. And sometimes that distracts us from the one main thing that God has called us to do. You'll find throughout history uh, this principle is lived, lived out. It's hard to stop a train. The most influential people in history are not known by two or three things. They're known by one thing. And they did that one thing very well. If I say the name Babe Ruth, what is he known for? Baseball, right? If I say the name um, Michael Jackson, <laughs> music, right? You know, or and, and maybe a famous, famous uh, actor, Marlon Brando. Oh, I done spoken now. Acting, right? Most are known by one thing. They do that one thing well. Thomas Edison, he was a what? Known for what? Inventor, right? Right? Uh, they're known for doing one thing and doing that one thing well. So we have to live in order to have peace and to stand before the Lord in peace and to get the fullness of the gift, to get out the fullness of the gift that God put in you, you're going to have to live a focused life. Find that one thing and do that one thing well. Now, we can be trained to do several things. I was trained to put satellites in and phone systems and all this thing, alarm systems and all that stuff, and webs and websites and all that stuff. I can do a lot of that stuff, but I would like Mark Stroud to be known for one thing, teaching the Word of God with understanding. Teaches the word of God with understanding. He teaches the word of God with understanding. When you leave his services, you understand the word better than than you did when you came. Known by one thing. Are you with me? What is your life assignment? What is your life assignment? What has God called you to do? We talk about Linda Ware. What are we thinking about? What are we, what are we thinking about? Food bank. Isn't that right? Right? Yeah. What is your life assignment? What are you known for? What are you known for? Are you with me? Are, are we known for being a, what, a, a great person of faith or known for being a great person of troublemaker? Right? What are we known for? What is your life assignment? Get busy. Yeah, we're talking about Deaconess. We, cooking, right? You know she's going to come and cook. When she comes in the room... And when she goes into any place, she's going to probably ask, where the kitchen? Where's the kitchen? Show me. You know, what are you known for? You mentioned, uh, I, no, I'm not going to go around every, all the room, but you understand what I'm talking about. I'm not going to get in trouble today about that. All right? I could call out several of you, but understand, we will be known not by the many talents that we have, but known for one thing. One thing. Remember, a, a light, light or, or any source of light is really powerful. Light can be so powerful that it can actually cut, right, like a laser beam. But it can be so scattered like those camera lights. You know, it has, still has purpose. It, um, it illuminates the room. We can see. But in order to be truly devastatingly, uh, in order to really have an impact in the environment, it really must be um, Directed, must be focused. A focused life will create change. A focused life. Now, if we're focused in the negative, a focused life can also be destructive. 
If I say Adolf Hitler, you're known for destruction, right? Several, several others, Bin Laden, and all these other people. They're not known for what they, they're not known for cooking or being this or, or being that. They're known for killing people. What? Dumber, right? Known for one thing, right? These are people that the world remembers. Okay? Of course, their assignment is, was not of God, but you understand what we're talking about. If I say Judas, we know he was a disciple, but we've known for one thing, betraying the Lord, right? So we could go down the list of things, and, and you, could, you could pick some things out too, pick people out too. But we're normally known for doing one thing and doing one thing very well. And when you find that one thing that you're called to do, you do that thing to the glory of God the Father. Are you with me? Let's read that verse again. Verse number one, it says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of your vocation wherewith you are called. Let me read that for you on the uh, Amplified Bible. It says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, appeal to and beg you to walk, or that is to say, lead a life worthy of the divine calling to which you have been called with behavior that is a credit to the summons of God's service. We have been summoned into God's service. Now the problem is today, when we hear someone say, I got the calling, I got a calling, we immediately think that they're called to preach. A lot of people think that they're immediately called to preach when they hear about a calling. But don't you understand we have different callings in the body? Every part of the body of Christ cannot be a part of the eye. If we're all a part of the eye, well, who's going to go out and touch the world? If we're all hands, who's going to go out and move the body? Who's going to be the feet? Every part of the body of Christ has its own duty, has its own function. And uh, what we need to do is stop trying to, um, stop trying to point the finger or, or trying to say, I wish I was this, I wish I was part of the eye, I wish I was part of the ear, and just accept the part that Jesus has given unto us. We'll find the greatest amount of peace when we accept our calling and destiny. Amen? When you accept your calling, accept your calling. You say, well, I can't, uh, if it's a calling to be a writer, praise the Lord. You say, well, I can't write as well as they write. But understand, you write, if you write under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, your writings will have just as much of an impact as theirs does. Now, they may get paid millions of dollars for writing in dollars. You may get paid millions of souls or credits of souls in the kingdom of God. Are you with me? Your part of the body is still important. We call one part small and another part great when all parts of the body are needed. Think about your human body. Your human body. When every part of your body accepts its duty, accepts its, accepts its calling and functions in the area in which it was created, your body's in harmony. Your body is in complete harmony. But if your foot ever decides it wants to start feeling something like your hand, we're going to have a problem. Right? You must accept your assignment. And in every body, in the body of Christ, everyone has an assignment. Everyone has an assignment. Like we said on this morning uh, during the Sunday school, understand when, when the Lord first gave me my calling, my calling at the age of 19, uh, I immediately, 
as I've told some of you before, but I immediately went to, went to my pastor, my father in the gospel, and I began to tell him about that. And, uh, and I was expecting immediately to go up in the pulpit because I, I, I've been called. I believe I've been called. Praise the Lord. But I never, the, the pulpit never saw my face. I <laughs> understand. But did that mean that I had not been called? No. Are you with me? The calling of God is for an appointed time. It's for an appointed place. And it was not my pastor's responsibility to bring me up before the people of God and say, well, here's the next greatest thing since sliced bread. Mark's trial. No, it was not his responsibility. It was God's responsibility to exalt me in due season and in due time. Right? Remember, God will never promote what he, what he does not prepare. He only promotes what he prepares. What he prepares. Are you with me? So what did I do in the meantime? I've told some of you this. I, I went into the nursing homes. I, I went into homes and I asked God for the opportunity to minister and he gave me opportunities. I had opportunities running out of my ears. Why? Because I was submitted to my calling. I knew what God called me to do. And many years later, now I'm 37 now. I think I'm still 37. Yes, I am. I'm still, I'm 37 now. I received the call when I was 19, and I'm still doing the same thing. Are you with me? Yes. Now, I've had many opportunities to do other things in the past. I've had to take a job here, job there, praise the Lord. But when, even when I was on the job, I was still thinking about one thing. I understood what my calling was, what my assignment was in life, to teach the Word of God with understanding. Now, I did not leave that. I did not leave the, I did not leave the responsibility to teach in the hands of others. Are you with me? I guess there's going to be a re-preaching of Sunday, of Sunday school. I didn't leave that in the responsibility of others. I've told you this morning about uh, the testimony Mr. Charles uh, gave me about the preachers that were sitting in a house in, you know, in a, in a church, a nice-sized church that were waiting on their pastor to die so that they can become a pastor or so that they can preach. Are you with me? In other words, they're leaving their destiny in someone else's hands. Why would you leave your destiny in the hands of a man? On the hands of a woman. People are flawed. Right? That's just, we, we are imperfect, right? I'm not going to leave my, I know what Jesus called me to do. And I'm going to do that thing. If I got to go on the side of the road and, and uh, get a little milk crate and stand on the side of the road with a megaphone, uh, I'm here to teach the Word of God with understanding. In Jesus' name, I, you, you, you understand what I'm talking about? Hallelujah. Now, I am going to single one person out. Praise God. I don't see one, one person out to give an example. I can do many of you. Are you understand me? But this is one person that's come to my mind this time. Sister Rhonda. Praise the Lord. As she has received, uh, as she has received the call, what is she doing now? She's sitting back waiting on pastor to give her more speaking engagement? No. What is she doing? She's putting up her website, getting the message out that way. She's writing her books, writing her novels. Is she sitting back and waiting on pastor out to call and say, did you write the next page? No. Did you put up your website yet? No. No. But she's going forth and doing that thing. And that's one thing to be proud of. Give God a hand of praise for her. Amen. Now I can, I can go down the list. I can go down the list. But understand, I understand. When any pastor begins to say one person to everybody, so please don't do that to me. Does everybody understand what I'm saying to you? 
when you go out and invest in your own gifting, when you invest, put your money toward your own gifting. When you don't wait on the church to make you a place, don't leave it to a person. Are you with me? Don't leave it to a person. You know what God called you to do. Then you go forth and you invest in your own giftings. You invest. Take your time. Don't leave your destiny in the hands of a person. Tell your neighbor, don't leave your destiny in the hands of a person. In the hands of people. You know what Jesus called you to do. Now, if you do not know what Jesus called you to do, then we need to pray. We need to fast. Because before you die, understand, or after you die, the Lord's going to come to you and, and say, what did you do with what I gave you? Matthew, the 25th chapter, he talks about the talents, right? He gave to every person uh, a measure, uh, a talent. He gave them a talent as a gift or ability. In that case, it's, it's also finances. But it's a talent, it's a gift, it's an ability. Uh, if you use it well, it can become an anointing. Are you with me? How well are you going to be measured or judged by how well you use what God gave you? Now, if you're born again, if you are saved, we're not going to be judged with the world. We're not accounted to wrath. Are you with me? But there is a judgment. Uh, that is to say, there will be a time when God will judge how well you used the gift that he gave you. Now, that's just truth. And on that day, we will not be able to say, well, Pastor Stroud didn't give me an opportunity. We will not be able to say, Elder Woodruff didn't give me an opportunity. We will not be able to say, well, the man that was always holding me down, it's the man's fault. It's the, if it wasn't for the color of my skin, if I, I just didn't have enough money, I woke up on the wrong side of the tracks. I fell off the turnip truck. If I didn't fall off the turnip truck, I would have had more opportunity. No, no, no. There were many others that made their way out of the ghetto. Isn't that right? Many more that made their way out of the trailer park, that had a vision, that had a destiny, that would not stop. In this day and age, more especially, there is no excuse. Hallelujah. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, I love you, but you can't make excuses. Turn to someone else and tell them, don't wait on somebody else to help you. You better seek God. And see, as you seek the Lord, he will open up doors of opportunity for you. Right? Because remember, the giver of the gift, the giver of the anointing, the giver of the vision is responsible for the fulfillment of the vision. Remember, God is not a deadbeat dad. We got it right that time, didn't we? God is not a deadbeat dad. If he births, if he brings something in you that gives you a dream, a vision, an insight, a talent, gift, or ability, if he puts it in you and he wants you to use it, he's not going to have you to birth it out. I got it, Lord. Now, he's not going to just walk away then and say, all right, well, you take care of it the best way you can. I got to go. No. He put, if he put it in you, uh, he will prepare somebody also for you to give it to. Because the gifts, talents, or abilities that, uh, abilities, that, abilities that are in you are for the body. And for someone else to be edified, someone else to be built up, someone else to be encouraged. Understand, you are an answer, or you, your body houses the answer to someone else's problem. Let me say that again. The vision of God within you is the answer to someone else's problem.
Here I go singling out somebody else again. The Lord help me. The vision that God put in Sister Ware and, and Sister Taylor and Sister Stroud, the vision that he put in them, uh, that vision for the food bank, that vision was the answer for someone else's problems. Can you see that? The vision that he put in my heart for Kingdom Rock when I was uh, 20, I think I was 20 when he spoke to me, Kingdom Rock. The vision of Kingdom Rock was not for me, but it is to bless others. Are you with me? And now via website and other CDs and that nature, we're worldwide and people worldwide listen and view. I can't. I can't number the countries anymore that have, that have come to the website. I, I, I can't. It's, it's too many. Isn't that wonderful? That is wonderful. I can't even list them off now. Isn't that wonderful? Inside of you, you hold the answer for someone else's problems. Inside of you, you hold the answer for someone else's problems. But you got to get it out of you. You got to get it out of you. You got to get it out of you. You got to be faithful and get that out of you. Are you with me? God is not a deadbeat dad. Turn to them and tell them, God's not deadbeat dad. Listen, if he made you pregnant with it, if he made you pregnant with it, gave you a desire for it, and it's burning on the inside of you, if he made you pregnant, he's not going to run off and leave you. He's going to be there during your pregnancy. And you start walking like that. He's going to be there with you. And when you get on the table, when the baby comes out, he'll be there to help you cradle the baby and help you bring the baby to maturity. Hallelujah. I should have brought out a certain sister that's pregnant right now like that. God is not a deadbeat dad. If he put it in you, he intends to use it. The Lord often said, said like this one time to me. He said, if I make a meal, I'll have somebody ready to eat it. He does not let his food sit on the stove. If he gets it in you, he's going to have somebody eat it. Listen, if the students aren't there, then that means the teacher isn't ready. But when the teacher is ready, the students will appear. I'm running, about to run in slow motion now. Are you, are you with me? So it's either you're not ready or those that will receive your ministry is not ready. When I was 20 years old, driving down Maxim Road in Atlanta, uh, there in uh, Austell, I heard Kingdom Rock. I wasn't ready for y'all. I hadn't been through some things yet. I had the gift, yes. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. I had the gift. I was called then. He called me then, but I wasn't ready until the year 2000. And then Kingdom Rock was birthed and it came forth. Many years later, are you with me? I believe I was, uh, what, 30 years old. Yeah, that's right, 30. I can subtract. I was 30 years old, but I had the vision of Kingdom Rock when I was 19. Eleven years later, then it came forth. Are you with me? Eleven years later, much prayer, 
much fasting, much study, much prayer, much fasting, much study, much heartache, much trouble, much lessons to be learned. Eleven years later, then it stepped forth. We talked about this on Thursday night, but most people want a microwave thing, a microwave, microwave type of anointing. You want to put yourself in the microwave and ding, come out two days later with the power of God. Woo! Who can I lay hands on? Are you with me? No, you're going to have to go through something. Right? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Great things take time. Great things take time. Now God has, we talked about it Thursday, God has slated all of you for greatness as well. You have greatness on the inside of you. All of you have greatness on the inside of you. But it's got to be mined out, dug out. You got to pray. You got to fast. You got to study. You got to stay in his presence. And the more you stay with him and the more you stay in his presence, he will make that thing grow in you and eventually it'll pop out. I had 11, I was pregnant for 11 years. I was 11 years. And in 2000, it came out. So now my baby is growing up and it's, it's seven years old now. Praise the Lord. Are you with me? Hallelujah. But I couldn't despise anybody through much heartache and pain, through other churches, other pastors, and so forth and so on, those that hurt me intentionally or intentionally or unintentionally. I couldn't hold that to their charge because I knew that I was responsible. And when you're pregnant, you know, you got to watch what you eat. Watch where you go. Especially when you being when you are great with child. You understand? You walk differently. You talk differently when you know that you are carrying. I knew that I was carrying an anointing. And the Lord always put it on my mind. Watch your climb, son. Watch your climb. Watch your climb. Watch your climb. Watch your climb. Watch the way you go up. Watch what you do. Because you could do something now that would come up before your face 10 years from now. Are you with me? When you get up there in the spotlight, out of the cave of a doolum, so to speak. Then they bring that mess back up that you did way back 10, 15 years ago. Watch your climb. Watch the way you go up. I knew I was carrying something. I knew that one day I had a destiny. And the closer I got toward giving birth, the harder it got, the more pain and agony I endured. Until that fateful night, December 31st, 2000, those were some hard labor pains. Some of you know what I'm talking about. That was some hard labor pains. Hard, 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 hard. With many knives stuck in my back. Hard, 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 hard. And then finally, <laughs> Kingdom Rock came forth. Are you with me? Now on that day, I guess it's testimony time. On that day, when Kingdom Rock came forth, I didn't want to be a pastor. I didn't. I was saying, Lord, I'm through with church. I'm through with it. I don't want to be no pastor. I don't want to go to no church. But he said, the vision's yet for an appointed time. 
We stepped out and then the Lord healed me and delivered me because there is a certain time after a woman gives birth. There's a certain time that she has to stay away from people for a while and nurse the baby and handle the baby until she gets healed up. And then she can come back into mainstream society. Oh, I pray you're hearing that. Oh, that's good. I hear you, Holy Ghost. And so there is greatness on the inside of you. Now, I don't know. Whether you are, I know that if you have received the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior of your life, and as you have asked him to fill you with his spirit, you have a destiny. You have a destiny. And the more intimate you become with him, the more intimate you become with his spirit, his Holy Spirit. As you say, Holy Spirit, show me what the Father has for me. Show me what am, what was I created for? Show me. There is a reason why I'm still breathing today. Show me what is my assignment? What is my purpose in life? And the more time you spend with the Lord in prayer, that intimate time. See, babies come out of intimate time. Let me say it this way. Mostly. Uh, There's some other folk that do crazy things, but Mostly out of a loving, intimate environment between husband and wife, the baby eventually comes forth. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, I'm not going to health class. Y'all understand all of that. But out of a loving environment, that baby, eventually the mother is pregnant, right? Baby comes out. So the more intimate you are with the spirit of God, the more, uh, the more God will impart into you. And eventually you bring that thing forth. It says again, uh, the King James Version, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. Walk worthy of it. You know that you're pregnant with this. You know that God's giving you vision. You know that he's giving you direction. You know that there is some reason for your life. You know it is. Well, then walk worthy of that. Walk worthy of that. Walk worthy. Understand that you are carrying a vision. Understand that you're carrying a vision. You just can't go around folk and do this and that anymore because you are on an, you are on an assignment. If we send you to the mall, if I send you to the mall to buy a particular item at the mall at Circuit City, if I send you there and you've got to be back by a certain time, you don't have time to go and greet your neighbor, greet your friend, and hold long conversations because you know you've got to be back at a certain time. You're on an assignment, Right? And when you stay focused on your assignment like a train stays focused on the track, you understand you'll have great peace because you won't, a lot of mess won't be able to come up and influence you. But when you got a lot of time on your hands, this is when mess comes in. Isn't that right? In my closing, go to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians, the 7th chapter. I want to show you this. 1 Corinthians, the 7th chapter. When you get that, I want you to say, Amen. First Corinthians, the seventh chapter. First Corinthians 7. It's hard to stop a train. A life that is focused. A life that is focused. A life does, that does not depend on other people. Now, you are going to need other people to help you, but let God send those people to you. If you start going around, going around and recruiting people, you may wind up recruiting the wrong people. Are you with me? 
Let the Lord bring into your life those kingdom connections. Now, a kingdom connection will actually draw you closer to Jesus and not away from Jesus. A kingdom connection. Uh, 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, the seventh chapter. Let's look at um, let's look at verse number seventeen. I want you to see this. First Corinthians seven verse seventeen. It says, "But as God hath distributed to every man, as the Lord hath called every one, so let him walk, and so ordained I in all churches." Again, but as God hath distributed to every man. As the Lord have called everyone, so let him walk, and so ordain I in all churches. The assignment that he has distributed to you, your, the thing that he has called you to do, walk in that. Do that. What he called you to do, do that. Remain in that. Remain in that. Verse 20. Look at verse 20, and you can read the rest later if you, if you like. But verse 20 says, let every man abide in the same, what? Calling wherein he is called. We got to abide in the calling. You got to be like a train. It's hard to stop a train. I understand that when I am focused, when my life is focused, change is made. I'm, I'm telling you things begin to happen. Things begin to happen. But when I become scattered, some people call it being scatterbrained. When I become scattered, very little happens, right? But when we are focused, even as a body, things begin to happen. When we all pull together in one direction, things begin to happen. But when we are scattered, you know, you're not going to get that much done. Are you with me? Praise the Lord. Let's look at just uh, one more. Hebrews, the fifth chapter. Hebrews, the fifth chapter. Is anybody getting anything out of this today? Or should I say, are you getting an understanding? I realize when we have an understanding, we basically are left without an excuse. When you know you understand, that leaves no excuse. Now, different callings, as God calls us to different things, sometimes it's going to be uncomfortable. It's really going to be uncomfortable. And at times we'll be faced with an opportunity to compromise. To compromise. But don't compromise. Wait for God's best. Don't compromise. Wait for God's best. Wait for God's best. The Bible says there in the book of Hebrews, the uh, 13th chapter, same book, it says, Obey them that have the rule over you, for they watch for your soul. What are they watching for? Your soul. Your soul. Watching over your soul. Watching over your assignment. Now, we can't do your assignment. I thank God that God's not holding me responsible for fulfilling your assignment. I thank God. But he does call the elders of the church to watch over you, watch over your soul, in an effort that you may ultimately fulfill your assignment. To do what the Lord has called you to do. But when we are not obedient uh, to the leadership, we begin really to take on, uh, become rebellious, and we begin to do what we want to do. 
and you're not under that umbrella of safety, if that's the case. You ever understand what I'm talking about? Taking it like in a home. Child grows up and say, look, I want to do what I want to do. They're 13 they, or they're 14. I want to do what I want to do. But mom and dad has been where you are. We've been there. We, we've done that. But the child thinks because they are 13 or 15 or 14, I know everything now. I'm not going to follow your instructions. They go out and they leave the safety of the covering. They leave the safety of the covering. And now they're forced to make decisions that are outside of the bounds of that covering. And they get into stuff that they ought not to get into. They, they run into heartache and troubles and problems, things that could have all been avoided had they just listened to mommy and daddy. Isn't that right? Who can see them? That's why the Bible says, obey them to have the rule over you. Now, these are godly leaders, godly authority, right? All right. All right, but in Hebrews 5th chapter, uh, verse number 11, we can start here. So as uh, the writer of Hebrews begins to talk about the Lord and the order of Machezodek, verse number 11, it says, of whom we have many things to say and hard to be uttered, seeing you are dull of hearing. For when, for the time, you ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness. For he is a babe. But strong meat belongs, say it belongs, to them that are of full age. Mm -hmm. Even those who by reason of what? Use. Even those who by reason of what? Use, uh, the King James Version, have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Simply put, those that use what they've been receiving are of full age or they are mature. They are actually maturing. If you use the word of God that is given unto you, you will actually mature. But if we fail to use the word of God or to exercise the word of God or to put the word of God in use in our lives, we won't mature. And that's what he's talking about. He said, we got a lot of stuff to say to y'all, but we can't say it now. Y'all ought to be on meat by now, but you're not on meat because you haven't been using what you've been hearing. You haven't been submissive to what you've been hearing. You should be much further along now, but you're not. Why weren't they? Because they had not been exercising what they uh, have been taught. They didn't exercise it. In short, I'm telling you today, get your life focused. Get your life focused. The things that the Lord tells you to do may sometimes be very difficult, but he's given you the anointing to do it. Let's release these things to the Lord. Release the fear to the Lord. Release that fear. There's some prayers that people say, you better not pray that. You better not pray, Lord, I give you all of my life. You better not do that because you don't know what God's going to do. Well, look, I'm tired of fearing Lord, have your way in me totally and completely. I trust you. I trust you. Have all of me. I tell the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, I trust you. Change me any way you see fit. 
Make me like Jesus. Let the people see Jesus in me. Are you with me? Let's, let's stop locking God out of our heart. No, and invite him in fully. But that takes a certain level of trust. You're going to have to trust him. You're going to have to trust him. Trust him. Trust him. As we give ourselves fully to him, he will bring vision to pass. He will bring ministry to pass. You'll see and you'll have great, great peace. I pray you've heard the word of God today. We are done. Friends, I know you have been truly blessed by this presentation brought to you by the Kingdom Rock Family Worship Center Media Ministry. Remember, if you are looking for a church home, we would be glad to have you each Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Kingdom Rock Family Worship Center is located at 180 Helton Road in Bremen, Georgia. For more information, give us a call at 770-537-1933 or visit us on the web at www.kingdomrock.org.